This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and I'm delighted to be joined by Billy the Bee Grant, Dave Laney Lane and XG Dave Anderson, the famous XG Dave from Be Sotted in the studio. Hello. Evening. Hi. It is quite some show coming up, not least because we'll be hearing a chat that the guys had with Phil Giles, none other than the director of football at Brentford later in the show. But before that, there is the small matter of a glorious victory to get our teeth into. A great comeback away, away at Middlesbrough. How good was that? Oh, it was brilliant. It was a, it was a really, really good couple of days as well. And although... In the podcast on uh, on the went out on Thursday morning, everyone on on the panel actually predicted a win. I'm not actually sure we travelled north, particularly <laughs> believing it. I think you know, um, you know, I said that. It, the, the away record couldn't get any worse, so it had to get better. And we were saying we've been to the Riverside so many times, and even when we deserve to win, we still managed to lose. And you know, it, we, it's a really frustrating place for us to go to. So, you know, it was just brilliant to actually see the victory. I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. I mean, Mid- Middlesbrough is a brilliant place to go to. Anyway, I mean, people laugh because they don't, you know, they don't know. Everyone thinks, you know, when you get a football match, you've got to go to Manchester United and you know Leeds and Newcastle but for us as people know us it's slightly more left field places to go to and Newcastle um, Middlesbrough is a really really brilliant away day um, it's got a few areas it's got some really good bars the fans are really friendly to be fair they're also really really balanced they're really interested so when you go there and you sit down they'll talk to you they want to know about your team and they're also really respectful so, so for Brentford they'll also they'll always say to us you're a really great side to be honest with you you should have beaten us quite a few times I don't know how we've beaten you so many times and they're really really honest about it so we've gone up there this is the think the fifth time that we've been up to Middlesbrough on hope it's almost like hope that we're going to win. And I, I mean, I'm going to put my hand up and say that I, I said that we, I, I predicted two one win. But the reason why, because you, you could do all your predictions week in and week out, and if you if you get it wrong, then no one remembers. And if you get it right, you'll say oh, I got it right. But I think the reason why I predicted a two one win is because there was a couple of things. First of all, just looking at them, they hadn't, they just didn't seem to be able to score many goals, right? Um, and they were really tight at the back. And also, there was this thing that Thomas Frank was doing where Thomas Frank seemed to be trying to work out how we can get around this. He was like, he said, Middlesbrough are a great side and they're fantastic and Pulis is a brilliant manager and they've got a great defensive rep. He's doing all these things, but he's obviously working out, how can I beat these guys? You know what I'm saying? And I just sort of had, I had a feeling, I was just thinking, I'll tell you something, if we can keep it tight and breach their defence, we'll win this game. Because, you know, we, we score goals. You know, we score a lot of goals. So it was a, it, honestly, I cannot tell you what a brilliant, 
brilliant day it was. It was almost like one of those ones where, you know, like when, when you see sort of kind of like, you know, something from the scum to the heavens that, you know, <laughs> that you that was never meant to come before. And, and all the Brentford fans were like going, oh, my God. You mean a, mir- a miracle? A miracle, yes. <laughs> Three <laughs> points ex machina. Uh, uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty, oh dear, it was fun, fantastic. Did those supposedly <laughs> respectful Middlesbrough fans remain respectful once you had taken all three points? Well, they did, and we'll listen to it on the post-match uh, audio as well, where we go to the bars, as, as we say to you, after the match, we stick a microphone under people's noise, noses, you know, um, home fans and away fans. And to, to be fair, Bill, they, they didn't hang around as long as they normally do. We, you know, we went to the 12th man bar afterwards, and they always make us feel really welcome, and we had a proper laugh in there, but normally it's buzzing. You know, we were probably the last people there at <laughs> half past five. They'd all, they've gone off ski, hadn't they? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we had a cab book for half past six because we thought, we were, okay, we'll book a cab for half six. Even if we even if we lose, we'll stay there and have a good drink. And uh, they invited us. They said, really good. They bought us a beer as well. They bought us a beer. Nice. You know, and they said, look, fair enough. You know, you were the best team. They did the interviews as you're here and they're very respectful. And then they left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Borough are quite a knowledgeable fan base. They know what they are. They know that... They're going to grind through. They know they're going to be deep. They know they're going to try and battle. They know they got a bit of a lesson on Saturday. They did. They did. They did. They were taught a proper lesson. They were. They were. <laughs> um, but yeah, record. Look at it. I mean, just quickly off here. We got beaten, uh, not beaten Borough since like 1964, which is crazy. And it's the first time uh, we've beaten them there in th- since the thir- 1938, yeah, I think. Witnessing seven away wins. Yeah, not conceded a goal for like 270 minutes. All the odds were stacked against Brentford, but it felt like this was the time something was going to change. I'll tell you something. The, the best stat that I liked was that that was the first game that Borough had lost after going ahead. Yeah. Since 2015, I think it's in about 78 games. The first time. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, I, I think that's why they were wounded. Because even though like they're good mates of ours, you spoke to them afterwards, and it's like they've been shot in the in the, in, the, in the chest and everything. Because yeah, like that, that goal goes in six minutes in, and because of that record, Billy, they're then presumably thinking right three points yeah, or, yeah, or at exactly. least one. But actually, from the Brentford point of view, you got the two goals away from home. It could have been more. Carnos hit the bar. There could have been more. The woodwork 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 was struck more than once. We Were got, you disappointed to only grab the two? Two goals no. disallowed. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, no, we we just fully deserved it, and uh, we but we were gutted to be a goal down because Dan Bentley kind of pushed the ball out. Mm. He'd, he'd be really, really disappointed with you know how he dealt with that shot. But you know, he's got a lot of grief recently. But it doesn't look like he's going to be playing for the you know the next few games, if not at all, for the rest of the season. So, you know, we're we're going to miss him, tech, you know, potentially there. Yeah. You know, more goals. I'll be honest with you. Um, we were just so happy to win. We didn't care. You know, we didn't care how we won that game. We were just so so happy. And yes, I mean, at half time, I think I was more gutted at half time the fact that we had let in that goal, which is a soft goal yet again. You know, they come inside, they Bentley spill the ball to them, bang, in the back of the net. It's really easy. But then after that, you could see it was like waves. We were coming at them, coming at them. And then, you know, we just started to, we started to just dominate that game. And Borough, you could see they were, they were on the back foot, but we weren't getting the goal. So I suppose, again, it's one of those ones, again, we've got XG Dave in the studio here now. We get particular games where we, we might have an XG of, you know, 1.8 or, you know, or two, I think it was. And we score five goals. Mm. Okay. Which is not a bad xg but we score five goals and then we get you know then we get another uh, uh, probably slightly more actually when we only score two goals like 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 when we played wigan early in the season we get next year of three mm. you know and we've we played absolutely we've done brilliant chances but we only scored two goals so it's a it's one of those cases where sometimes everything you do goes into the back of the net and i think with Barrett it didn't do but I, I also have this theory sometimes when the ball goes into the back of the net in certain matches that's basically all our chances gone for the next one. I, 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 actually, I actually think going a goal down helped us against Borough because I think they are so confident that once they're a goal ahead, mm. they're, they're almost impossible to break down. And their record yeah. is that if they don't, they don't concede. So they probably thought, we, we've got this game. We yeah. haven't got to do a lot more. But, you know, we, we, actually, we actually took them to the cleaners. But there was a great save right last knockings wasn't there by Gunnison yeah. you know it, it was long ball deep into the area and it was going to be headed in and he just got a touch to it so you know seeing his reaction and the player's reaction when the whistle went it meant a lot to that team yeah true it did it did we said it on the podcast uh, in the week the last thing we want to do is go a goal down once if we yeah, we all pretty much gave it up we were like if we go a goal down that's it it's going to be tough from here but the way we fought back 
this is a this is a new Brentford. I but think. We, we, <laughs> do, we do create chances and we do yep. score goals, so no one's safe. We'll touch on that chance creation in just a moment. First of all, I want to touch on the goal you conceded. Lots of talk about Bentley spilling it. Quite unfortunate, perhaps, that it went straight to a Middlesbrough player. But for you, is Bentley at fault for that goal? Yeah, yeah I, I'd, I'd, <laughs> say, I'd say so. You know, that was that was the vibe in the uh, in the stadium at the time. I walked in. I was a couple of minutes late because uh, I, had, I had to pick a ticket up um, and I couldn't find out where to, where to where to collect it from. So I walked in and he and he'd I'd, he'd spilt one almost immediately. I got in and then by the, by the time I got to my seat, <clears> he'd done it again and we were a goal down. So it wasn't the best start to my viewing experience. Um, but just the way we, we reacted to that, and Dan Bentley, you know, he's got a lot of he has got a lot of um, you know stick, justifiably this yeah. season, I would say. Uh, however, we're in a situation that we we do rely on him equally to be our number one goalkeeper. There's not that much you know strength in depth. There's a lot of numbers, but there's no real experience anywhere else. He's probably well, he is our most experienced goalkeeper. So we are kind of relying on him. Well, I think we're more confident with him there um, and hoping he improves. Well, coming up, we'll be looking at the other end of the pitch as well. A certain Mr. Saeed Ben-Rama continuing that scintillating form. But before any of that professional punditry rubbish, it's time to go to the pub. This is Love Sport. And it's absolute mayhem, carnage here. Everyone's going absolutely mental. We're at Middlesbrough here, Dale, and the final whistle has just gone, and we have beaten Middlesbrough for the first time here since 1938. We never win here. We never beat Borough. They beat us every time. But this time, Brentford... Not only beat them, but we came from behind. Today we have won, and we are very, 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 very happy. I can't believe we've won at Borough. Absolutely deserved. Bloody brilliant. So happy. Gonna have a bloody right old laugh. So happy. One nil up. They decide to take a somber longer off and bring George Friend on. You can sense the crowd. We were getting on top of the game, they were getting nervous and the next goal was crucial and it proved to be. Oh, it's so good. I've been in so many times. I've seen us get spanked. I've seen us get loose so badly here. And this means a f***ing world today. I've been waiting so long. I've been persistent. I've come and I've come and I've come. And this just means the f***ing world. We're going to speak to our brother Chums, our Chums, our buddies, our friends. Um, and uh, they're, apparently they're lining up the birdie song for us because we said that if Brentford win today, we're going to have to do the birdie song in the 12-man bar today. So we're getting them for that. Listen, what a great result, eh? Hey, what a day, Billy. What a day. Fantastic. I mean, we've been, we've been waiting all season for this kind of result. Been away from home, playing well, but not getting the results. But today, it all came together. Yeah, we had a nine-year-old in goal for most of the second half. He did all right, considering he's been playing with his shoe play this morning. But yeah, fantastic. I mean, it couldn't really have gone better, could it? Yeah, very good game. Fantastic game. I mean, the setup of the second goal from Sawyers was just just beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. We got the borough man in the house here, and listen, commiserations to you. We love coming up here every time. You always beat us, but it's. It's changed this time, hasn't it? It is. It's under Paul, it's just, this is the way he, he plays his system. You know, how can you take a centre-forward off? You know, you win a 1-0. He, he pulled all these players back over the halfway line to, def, to defend. You could hear the crowd in the end shot for his name, and he's gone off. You know what I mean? But that's the way, that's the way he plays, Paul. So you think that basically what, you lost it, your manager lost the game today, well, was it? Man Jones lost his game, yeah, at home. That's why we can't win games at home. I just thought we don't go to playoffs. Could we not good enough? I am not going to make, I'm not even going to hide this one. You can see a big smile on my face for the first time in playing you. This is the ninth or tenth time we've played you. And for the first time, we've actually won a game. Well, you could hear it there. The Brentford fans absolutely reveling in what was a fantastic result away from home. Within that performance, you'd have to say that Romain Sawyers was just exceptional. He was. It's a shame we didn't hear the Borough fans. We were going to listen to what the Borough fans had to say there, but we I think they went a bit missing, didn't they? But 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 still, I think the Borough fans would have been very happy with uh, well, they said they were very happy with the Remain Sawyer's performance, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. We we uh, we do rely on um, Sawyer's and Macocho to be on top of their game. Um, they both facilitate each other's strengths. 
so yeah, no, it was a, it was we we again we were talking about this in the production meeting before. You know, we got an important game tomorrow. We're going to talk be talking about that a little bit later on. But Sheffield United, we we need Bocaccio and um, and uh, and Sawyer's to be at their, at their very best again. So yeah, it's, it's we we haven't got a huge amount of strength and depth at the moment in the middle of the park. Uh, so yeah, it's it's, it's they you know that without them we we do struggle. A lot was obviously made of Makocho coming back, which ties in with an ongoing debate about a certain Mr. McEachran. Uh, in terms of your midfield options, who do you favour? Well, I think that's pretty simple, isn't it? It's, uh, it's Makocho and Sawyers. Yeah, everyone, no one would pick McEachran over those two. I don't think it'd be um. Yeah, it's pretty clearly those two. But just going back to Sawyer's quickly, he's a da- lady was just talking how qual- like sort of his qualities. Uh, yeah, completely controlling the game through the middle of the park. Some of the one twos to get forward. There was a ball that Sawyer's played through for Dalsgaard goal, which I think there's only about three or four players in the in the division that could play that ball. And one of them is probably McEachran. The other one we might see tomorrow. I think it's probably Fleck or or Duffy at Sheffield United. But it's just exquisite, an absolutely delightful player. And to think that he had until quite recently some fans who are not sure about his place in this side. Yeah, no, you say you know you say that McEachran is capable of playing that pass, and, yeah. he, and he absolutely is. Yeah, but yeah. we, I can't remember the last one he did. <laughs> no, you know, well, I, know, I know he's got the vision to yeah, do it. Yeah, he's got that. He has. He, uh, it's it's been Sawyer's recently. Mm. He's the one that gives the eyes. He looks like he's going to play the ball one way, but the players know what's going to happen next. And yeah. um, you know, more no, it's normally through to Morpay or Ben Rama. But um, this this time, get Dalsgaard was making that run on the blind side, and again <clears throat> he didn't panic. He didn't he didn't play it straight in. He dummied. He looked yeah. up and he played it back to Ben Rama, who just leathered it home. So <laughs> it's, I mean, you talk about Sawyer's. I mean, Sawyer's is a great player, and he it's interesting. He had he even had to do an interview um, a few weeks ago, which basically says. I basically play a different style of football, you know, than, than some people might expect. Expect, but I still do. I, I give my all, mm. you know. So some people sort of say, you know, lump it, get up there now. But, but we, we have to say that it's not necessarily calling out a fan as such. But even just that game yesterday, okay, we were one nil down. But Sawyer's is playing this game. He's a particular type of player. He's a masterful player. And this Brentford fan was berating him. He was at the back and he was completely and utterly berating him. You know, having a go at him, what you're doing, you like a crab, we play it forward. Sorry, you're, you're like a crab in what respect? Multiple legs? You know, play, you know the way that, he, you know, playing it's the ball, he's saying, you know, you're playing the ball square it? in it sideways, you should mm. be playing the ball forward. You know, it was just, it was unbelievable. It was, and I sort of figured, hold on a second, first of all, listen, fans could do what they want to, you pay your money, you do that. But the, it's, it's kind of like, maybe you see different games in somebody and uh, you know to be standing up there and berating the player which and in the end I mean he played the most brilliant ball through from uh, from 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 the from from midfield all the way through to which basically I think set up the was it second set up the the first goal it was the first yeah yeah, the the first goal as well and it's just kind of one of those things where it's kind of like people just maybe just don't understand that style of football. With players such as Sawyers and Makocho excelling to such an extent, it's obvious to you three, it's obvious to me, it's going to be obvious to various other clubs in the Premier League, in the Championship, possibly from further afield. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the club, and you're pulling faces, I'm not trying to stir the <laughs> pot here, but do you think that the club can hold on to the likes of Sawyers in the summer? Probably not, but you know, it, it, will he be given the same role? Will he be given that same freedom? Do other clubs play the same way we do? Will he? Does he want to go there and maybe sit on the bench? You know, look at Ryan Woods; he didn't. He'd be sat on the bench the whole the whole ninety minutes at QPR on on Saturday. Um, obviously, the money's better. That's that's obviously the the attraction. But I'm 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 pretty confident when I say that the players that are in our squad, they're pro- they're arguably playing the best football. Or they're in the best footballing team there there will ever be in. Um, so you you can you could go, but it's careful what you wish for. I tell you something. Um, it's about it is it is about the money. And the thing the reason why I say that is that you know sometimes you make creative decisions. So you go to the right club, which is going to be the best move for you. So you might go somewhere where basically you may not get as much money as you may go somewhere else. Now I remember we had the scenario where Hotter. And we heard from some very good sources that Hotter would only move if he went to the Premier League because at the end of the day is that he kind of had enough money that he, you know, he would accept 
he would accept less money for a Premier League move than if he went to the Championship. And he wasn't interested in the Championship, so he'd stay with us. And if he was going to move, he was only going to go to the Premier League. In the end, Birmingham City came in, offered him, I can't remember what he's on, I think he's on 30 or 40 grand a week, you know, straight up. Premier League money. You know, offered him that money straight away. He went, see you later. He had a miserable time there. He's, I, I don't know if he's, he's still not having the best time he, in the he world. He did play in the derby at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah he did play in the derby. He got, I think he got taken off again, as he, he seems to be done all the time. So I'm not, listen, we're not, this is not about Hotter, but I think the situation we're saying here is that we keep on thinking in this, these rose-tinted glasses that people will stay at Brentford forever. But I think that if somebody comes in and offers Sawyer's 30 grand a week, he'll be gone. With, with that in mind, that's not the only side of the money which is relevant. If he were to go, what kind of bid, what kind of figure are we looking at to persuade the club to sell? Oh, persuade to sell? I'm not sure. Uh, I think so is it, next year is the last year of his contract, so I think anything you can get for him becomes becomes valuable. Um, I need a figure. Well, I, it's, it's, at the moment, it's 10 plus, isn't it? I, I, I would say. Um but it's, it's, you know who's in them. I mean, we know that the the teams that are going to be in for him are probably Aston, Aston Villa are probably going to be in for him. But are they are they in a? I don't think they're in a ten million pounds market. Well, they spend a lot of money. I mean, the likes of Scott Hogan, they're not afraid of spending big money but in the championship. That's, I mean, that's, that's back in the day, you know, and you know yeah. they've got a sort of FFP looming situation mm. going on at the moment now. From what I've heard, their finances are in a bit of a pickle. So <laughs> you know, so, so listen, you know, that, that's that's the way it is. So they've. They've, 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 they've gambled a bit. If they don't go up this season, they're going to be in. A, I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble. You know. So, but Dean Smith really does like him, and he also knows his value. And Dean Smith, if he does come in for him, he's not going to say, "Here you go, Brentford is two million. He'll come in just like they did for um, um, for, for the defender uh, uh, who's gone to Bournemouth, oh, Mepham, Mepham. Chris yeah. Mepham, and they came in and they said, "We go, we give you thirty million. You know, here you go, 13, 14 million. We'll give that for you straight more than what Bournemouth had offered. But you know, he wanted to go to Bournemouth." So they they will still make these moves now when they have to make the gamble, whether or not um, that, that's his question. Whether that or not that one year to go on his contract is the biggest factor yeah. in this, isn't it? We're oh. not going to let his contract run down. I'll, I'll be I'll be surprised if we get any more than ten. Just bearing that in mind, to be honest, if we if we got an offer for ten, I think we we bite the end off. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He's twenty eight soon, I think, as well. Sort of nearing the end of his years. Yeah, I, I think you'd you'd snap that off. Well, one man with an expert view on the future of Sawyers and, of course, the rest of the Brentford squad is Phil Giles, director of football at Brentford. And I'm delighted to say that the three fine gentlemen in front of me spoke to him earlier in the week and we'll be hearing from Phil Giles in just a moment. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with Johnny Burrow and the guys from the Be Sotted podcast. And guys, you spoke to quite a big name at the club earlier in the week. Well, we spoke to Phil Giles at the ground, actually, and uh, he was in the he was in the ground, and we spoke to him. He was actually sitting with the sports. I sat with him in the second half. We well, the, uh, the well the first half. Uh, I can't remember first half, second half. I think it was, and sat with him. We were just chatting about a couple of bits and watching the game, and then afterwards we had a chat with him at the final whistle um, when he was delighted as we were on the result. We've got Phil Giles, director of football at Brentford, and at one nil down. You didn't have any fears, did you? No, I said oh, we're going to win tonight. You did say we were going to win, but, um, but how did you see that coming, tell me? <laughs> um, well, we, we played OK first half, didn't we? It was just like the last... The, the goal was, a bit, was early, it was a bit soft, we should have, probably should have dealt with it better, but yeah, it was. Um, we played OK first half and then, uh, yeah, continued second second half as well and they all played well, didn't they? So. they? I mean, they did. I mean, I'm just wondering, what was the game plan today? Because obviously, Borough, we've never, we've never beaten them. They're very, very difficult, very, very good defence, don't score that many goals. I mean, do you think the, what was the game plan going into this game? Um, I, I don't think the game plan's that different than what we've uh, what we've always done in the past. But the thing that we've talked a lot about in the change room, especially, is um, is mindset. Just not giving away soft goals, staying in the game. You know, not conceding two and three in quick succession. So you can see that's really improving. It's a young group, obviously, and they've improved the mindset. And yeah, we deserve to win in the end, didn't we? Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and also, I mean, players out there today. I mean, I know there's you, you don't like to pick out one any individual players out there but obviously they played as a team but is there anyone out there that you thought actually kind of really sort of especially in the second half kind of just took us to that next level uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Pickett's a team game, isn't it? But, <laughs> but okay, well, if you give me one, Cameron Cocho. He's just—he's excellent. He covers the ground. He presses. He wins the ball back for us. He's so important. The way we play, especially with two in the middle, you've got to have mobility in there. Him and, and remain both in the middle of the park. There, were fantastic today, I thought. And, and also, we're talking about—we've um, um, seen him quite recently. It was Gunnarsson, who's the the reserve goalkeeper, who played in a couple of. Well, I've seen him play in a few big team games. Who looked quite impressive. Saw him play at Dulwich Hamlet, and I was very surprised to see him come today. Was that tactical or was there an injury? Yeah, Luke Daniels had an injury recently, so that's why, and then Ellery had as well, so so uh, Patrick's our sort of fourth, fourth choice, if you like, at the minute, but yeah, came on, did well, did fine, good. So, Borough, we've beaten Borough, the monkey, it, it, it's gone, it finished, end of story, so are we going to beat Borough now every single time we play them? Uh, yes, Billy, we are going to beat them every, I, I guarantee we will win every single game from now on. In fact, not just against them, everyone we ever play in the future, we will win every game. Excellent. Okay, yeah. that, happy with that. Is that is that the right answer? Yeah, that is the right answer. You heard it here first. Phil Jars, director of football. We're going to win every single game from now, and we're going to get promoted until eternity. Yes. For, 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 for the whole of future. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. All right. Cheers. Right. Cheers, Jill. Victory until eternity. Those are good words, and you heard them here first. Do you think that's realistic? I'm going to hold him to that. <laughs> yep, he said it. <laughs> you just well. I, I'm not sure about eternity, but you just never know. Um, we're on a bit of a run at the moment now. And I know it's really funny because a lot of, like, say, for example, if you look at, even though we've got very good relationship with the Borough fans, which we will probably hear later on in the week on our podcast, prideofwest.london, because we'll flip the, the Borough fans into that podcast later on in the week. But if you listen to what they were saying, they were going, some of them have been really respectful, but also some, once you get the social media um, guys who go there on their, on their keyboards because they're not brave enough to say it to your face, and they'll say <laughs> things like, um, oh, God, Brentford, you know, everyone keeps saying they're fantastic, but, you know, they were 18th when they played them and they're 16th and they're not very good. And it's kind of like, yes, but... If you have a really bad run and then you have a good run, you start climbing from 18th to 16th to 14th to 12th. Whereas if you have a really good run at the beginning of the season, you're fourth and then you end up like Derby County and probably you'll end up 12th or 14th in the table. Now, personally, I would rather be in a position of a team that starts at 18th and climbs all the way up. So all the way, uh, we're on a bit of an upward trajectory. And what we need to do is to keep this upward trajectory is keep on winning. So... At the moment, we're in a great position because no one is expecting anything. And if we win another game and then win it, we, listen, we're f- six points off playoffs, I think it is. Or is it yeah, five six, points off? Six, six, six points off playoffs with one game in hand, right? <clears throat> now, that is a nice position to be in, but we're not getting excited at all. Normally, a few seasons ago, we would have booked trains all the way to the end of the yeah. season. But we're still taking it very, very easy because we're thinking... We ain't got nothing to lose. No, no. You need to be. You need to be a realist. And I'm not. I wouldn't go as far as to say it's Brentford in it, but it, we we probably are going to be in a situation where if it wasn't for a couple of defeats during that stinky run, if 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 the draws were a win and the then the and the defeats were a draw in a few of those, I think probably we're going to be like three, four points adrift come come the end. But that's not to say if we go to Bramwell Lane tomorrow and pull off another impressive win, then game on, really, isn't it? And, and Bramall Lane is a big, big game as well. It's massive, massive game. Um, Sheffield United are very good, and we're going to talk about them in, in a minute, but I'm just saying to you is that now there's a difference. There really is a difference because we these are the games that we normally would fluff pretty much. We'd absolutely fluff them. But, you know, I think that at the moment now we've, we've started, you know, Sheffield Wednesday didn't count because we just didn't turn up. But we know what we need to do, and I think we need we know how to combat. And Sheffield United is going to be tough, and also it depends on whether or not you know Makocho is playing or not, because we don't know whether he you know he could play three games in a week. But if he does, it's going to be more of a match than we than we probably expected three or four weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely, Billy. Uh, Sheffield United, yeah, huge game, huge game, tough stadium, big old historic one. But something about me, something about Frank that I just I can't get out of my head. I feel Frank feels like a problem solver. He he looks at something. He looks at the problems of Sheffield United, and he'll think, "How can I stop them and affect the game?" Well, now he's got things going his way. Now he's got a team that's yeah. definitely playing for him. Now he's got the right formation. He's got the right yeah. midfield. Now he's got all those ingredients that are working in his favour. Mm. Yeah, you know he must be revelling in this because it's he's literally pitting his. He's pitting his like strongest team against one of the better teams in the division, and you know why? Why shouldn't we go there tomorrow night confident? 
Well, suddenly it's all sounding rather optimistic for Brentford. We'll have to see, though, how Sheffield United are thinking about it. Will they still be going Brentford? The away form's not perfect. The three points are ours. We'll be hearing from Ian from Unitedite in just a moment. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport Radio and I'm delighted to say that we're joined by Ian from Unitedite who is of course an expert in all things Sheffield United. Good evening Ian, are you looking at Brentford and thinking this could be three points for the Blades? Yeah, good evening. Um, Am I looking at three points? Maybe. I think uh, we're obviously on a very positive run of form and I think uh, the way Brentford play uh, suits an open game and probably one that we could take three points from. Um, hey, mate, it's Billy here. How are you doing? I'm great, Billy. You? Yeah, not too bad, man. A little bit nervous, Good. actually. You know, what you did to us in the earlier in the season, kind of like, you know, you kind of took us apart and uh, we, were, we were at our lowest ebb there. But, you know, I think that Thomas Frank... Our uh, head yep. coach, he was, you know, he's only in for about a month then. And I think he's going to be looking at that game because I remember after that game, they thought, tell you something, we need to start changing something now. And I think he might be in for a little bit of revenge. So, I mean, like, how how, how do you think the, the styles are going to contrast? Because, you know, you, you, you are three at the back. We've gone yep. three at the back now. So it's almost like we're copying you. Do you think, like, you know, we wear red and white stripes. You wear red and white stripes. Do you, <laughs> do you think we're Blades Mark too? Um. It's, uh, do you know what? I think the way we played, is, I wouldn't say has is, is, is been unique, but obviously we've caused ripples for the last uh, three seasons since Wilder took over, really, with, with our style of play. Um, to the extent that, you know, Mark Bielsa was commenting on uh, how our style of play was something he's tried to replicate aspects of at Leeds and, and other clubs without the same success. So I, I guess, you know, other teams looking at what we're doing and saying it's the way to go is... He's, he's great in many respects. I also think it, it, it may also help us. Um, if I look at some of our ga- more recent games, uh, look back to Sheffield Derby last week, uh, Rotherham on Saturday, we had two teams there that really set out to try and contain uh, United. Um, really hard press, um, high press at times from Wednesday in particular, um, and just really closed down our options. Whereas I think a team that comes to try and play our way against us should make for a reasonably open game and then I guess it comes down to I guess the strength of the defence uh, of which we've got a fantastic um, home record at the minute particularly uh, defensively but obviously that's then being converted into into victories with a goals that are, are able to come from across the team. We you know we've all been really impressed with Sheffield United you know the way that you've kept the the results come in uh, you know, we we waited for you to come back out of uh, you know the third tier for for a, for a number of years. We thought that Sheffield mm. United were too big for that level. It, you you realised it was it was more difficult to get out of it than stay out of it. Um, yeah. But the wheels are going to come off this season for you, clearly. And it's is it going to be tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you guys can but hope. Um, you know, I, I think you know, if you asked any United fan, um, I guess we're we're naturally a uh, uh, I wouldn't say a negative fan base, but we're always fearing the worst. We always think there'll be some way that we'll we will blade this up at some point. I saw a post on one of the forums today that said, uh, you know, this is all set up for us to, uh, you know, really challenge to the last game of the season for that second automatic spot, be comfortable, you know, ahead of third, ahead of fourth place in the end, finish third, comfortably ahead of fourth, you know, well ahead of seventh, and then lose a the final. That's just the way we're set up to go. So yeah, we, 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 I guess we go into every game with a degree of confidence, but with a degree of trepidation as well. Um, obviously, a lot of focus at the minute in the cities on the match against Leeds on Saturday. But for me, it's about taking tomorrow's match first because actually, I think that's just as important um, to our hopes than, than going to get something at Ellen Road. Hi, Ian. It's uh, David here. Hi, David. Hi. Yeah. So just wanted to talk quickly. So everyone looking in on Sheffield United, I think fair to say that you've got an embarrassment of riches up front there's uh there's quite a few forwards there what yep. two do you think what two do you think uh, Wildler will go with tomorrow and what can Brentford expect from those two it's interesting he, he, Chris has commented I think in his press conference today about the, you know he's gonna have to try and keep a squad happy and, and probably rotate the squad now he's got the options he has so um I think there's a there's a possibility uh that Gary Medine and Billy Sharp who were on the bench on Saturday will start um, 
if Medine doesn't start, then I think there's a chance that again asking to play two games in a week sometimes a bit challenging. But David McGoldrick uh, would be the other option to start, probably up front with Sharp. I mean, McGoldrick had a great game on Saturday. The only thing he's lacked at times this season is the is the end product. But um, I think you know having started McGoldrick and Hogan on Saturday, um, he'll mix it up again tomorrow night. And sometimes it has been quite hard to second guess Chris Wilder this season because with the options that he's had. Um, you know, we never used Mark Duffy, who was the the player who killed off Wednesday last season at Hillsborough. He never actually made it off the bench at Hillsborough last week. So, um, yeah, getting calling, making you know, calling the shots Chris Wilder's making is becoming ex- extremely difficult. I think at times, and it's it's a great position to to be in. And I think the the size and strength of our squad is um, is what makes us take, being able to take that step forward from that push that we had last season. Illy, Illy, I was going to say. It- Billy and Ian, and it came out as Illy. Hello, Illy. Uh, <laughs> Ian, Billy has been in lethal form so far this season. Billy Sharp, that is. He's yep. obviously a Sheffield boy through and through. How much does he mean to your fan base? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, Billy's been, obviously, uh, with us previously, he's not had the best run of uh, of luck under uh, previous managers, Kevin Blackwell in particular. But, you know, he came back into the club and Chris Wilder's just found a way of getting the best out of him he he's a leader on the pitch he's a leader in the dressing room um and i can see you know a future where he will be on the coaching staff when he does eventually retire but again nobody nobody had money on billy sharp having scored 22 goals this season um and that's what he's delivered and you know whatever he's doing that then there's a, a role for him both as captain but also you know as rapidly forming himself as a club legend and maybe promotion this season would would clinch that status for him I mean, you had a, a really good season last season. You came up from the, uh, the from the from Division One, and yep. you you were right up there. Um, and you blew off at the in the final stages. You were quite similar to Brentford in their first season, where we had a brilliant season, and it's almost like the momentum was there. Um, just to say, I mean, some people might say it's luck, but you know, looking at all the stats, the XG, and everything like that. You're in the position that you're meant to be in. You're doing all the right things. You're scoring the goals. You're getting brilliant chances. So there's no lying that you're in the right position. But the question I'm going to ask you, even after the last season, did you ever perceive you'll be in this position now? I'll be honest with you. Me personally, no. I think um, a lot was what was made out of the word, um, the word momentum last season. And it, it became a little bit tiresome, I think, for the management that we were carrying that momentum from the first season. But I thought last season this is the best chance we'll ever have of getting up because actually, you know, the promotion, the, the, the unity, the feel around the club, we've got our boardroom issues going on with, you know, co-owners who aren't talking to each other or going to court. You just can, you're just waiting for that sort of bubble to burst. But thankfully, he, you know, the managers continue to be back to the set and, and the fact that he's getting the best out of what is now an enlarged squad with probably some bigger names and bigger egos in it than he had this time last year. Um, I, in some ways, it surprises me, but what I've learned over the last couple of years of watching Chris Wilder managing this club, nothing should surprise me. And and obviously, we're talking about your well, we talk about your defence. We're talking about the fact that you've done really well this season. Um, we sold John Egan to you at the beginning of the season, yeah. and Brentford fans. And the thing is, this is no disrespect on John. We we loved them and thought he's really great. Things just were all right, and they didn't seem to be hundred percent working with us. And he's gone to you, and I know that he had a slightly dodgy start, but it would be interesting to see how he works out for you. Um, how, I mean, how is John Egan for you, for you guys? I would, I would go so far as say he's been outstanding this season. He's, he's rarely put a foot wrong. Um, it, obviously, he's strong in the air at the back, strong in the tackle, but he also fits well into our style of play. And I think that initial first couple of games was really him trying to find his way into the way we play uh, and find his right position. Uh, the fact that he keeps someone like Richard Stearman out who's obviously got a lot of experience playing that central uh, central role of the three. Um, you know, he, Steeman doesn't get a look in. Steeman might come off the bench for the odd game and slot in, but um, really, it's straight back to John Egan again. As long as he's fit, he will start. And, you know, he, he reminds me a lot of um, some of our past great defenders, just because I think you, you never feel nervous when he's either going into a tackle or when he's on the ball. It's very rare that we've seen a mistake from him this season. Um, but I think that comes from playing alongside, you know, Chris Basham, Jack O'Connell. They've just formed such a great understanding. And you've got two players there. Obviously, you know a lot about Jack O'Connell as well. But um, 
O'Connell has been an, an absolute outstanding player with us you know, for the last two seasons. We, we, we were actually with Jack O'Connell's uh, girlfriend on the bus to Charlton a few seasons <laughs> ago, actually. She was uh, complaining because yeah. they wouldn't let on the t- uh, on the team bus. It's uh, Greenwood. She plays left-back for, for England. Oh, yes. Yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were on the bus with her going to Charlton. I think we I think we lost, actually, that game as well. But anyway, we won't talk yeah. about that. But um, next year. <laughs> yeah, uh, just going back to the, um, the reverse fixture, Ian. So it was 2-3 at Griffin Park. Uh, yeah. I think you found it quite easy that day to, to sort of conjure up three goals if I'm looking at the team now that played uh, last time so it's uh, for Brentford Mc, uh, McEachran Judge McLeod Canos I'm guessing you've been keeping a little bit of an eye on Brentford how how do you think you're going to prepare for this team I think it's going to be a different proposition what, what do you think Sheffield United are going to do you know I, I don't I, I think it's very rare that Sheffield United prepare differently for the opposition I think possibly one minor criticism of the manager is he perhaps did that a little bit with the Wednesday game last week when there was so much City pride resting on it. But he tends to say, you know, don't worry about the opposition so much, let them worry about us. And, you know, we went to West Brom um, three three weeks ago now, got a fantastic away result, didn't change the way we play, played just with that bit more energy. We closed down well from front to back, but didn't, didn't change our approach to the game. Um, so, yeah, I think Brentford are in, in, in good form. I think fifth in the form table, four wins out of six, Shame one of those defeats came across the city uh, to our rivals. But, you know, I think as, as good a form as team is in, our best way is to go out and play our way. Ian, it's been great chatting to you. But just before you leave us, I'm going to have to put you on the spot, I'm afraid. I'm going to have yeah. to ask you for a score prediction. And I'll go 2-1 Blades. 2-1 Blades. He's a confident man. Coming up, <laughs> we will be getting our teeth into why he Cheers, could Ian. possibly be wrong. Ian Cheers, from Ian. United out there. Ian, thank you very much for joining us. Cheers, Stay Ian. with thank us you. because coming up is the Brentford side of things. This is Love Sport. It's 9.47. That can mean only one thing. You are listening to the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and Billy the Bee Grant, Dave Laney Lane and XG Dave Anderson from the Besotted Podcast. Now, gents, on last week's show, we were making quite a lot of Brentford's, at the time, woeful away form. Fast forward seven days, a spectacular result away at the Riverside. And the big question now is, has that away hoodoo been broken? <laughs> well, well, obviously it has. Technically, yeah. Well, it was broken against Rotherham. Come on, it was, wasn't it? Mm, well, but yeah, it was still our Achilles heel. You know, we'd, <laughs> we'd lost a couple since since that game as well. Which you know, Sheffield Wednesday we lost. We lost at um, um, Forest as, well. as well. So and Swansea in a way as well. Even yeah, it's a match. We, we 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 had followed up really great home wins with really disappointing away results, but. You know, clearly Saturday was one that we, we we followed up the QPR win with a, a Middlesbrough win. So we do go, we do go to uh, to Bramall Lane in a more confident frame of mind. However, I think Sheffield United are clearly a different proposition to Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough have struggled to score goals all season. Um, they didn't concede any. Whereas Sheffield United, they're really potent. They're one of the most potent teams in this division. So we've got our work cut out. They get the ball in the box. You know, that's what they do. They get the yeah. ball forward. They pass the ball around really quickly. And then what they do is they get the ball up there and in the box. So that's why, again, I'm not keeping it, but, but Dave knows on the XG front, that is why they, they get such good, you know, they're great in that area because they yeah. get the ball in really dangerous positions. And then they've got strikers, even though they might be old strikers like McGoldrick, but McGoldrick knows how to score goals. So we've got that situation. So it's going to be a really tricky game. And I know we've had this argument, you know, and this conversation time and time again. But it's interesting how Phil Giles said it in his conversation where he said that he didn't want to pluck out one player, but we forced him to. And in the end, he said, Bococcio <laughs> is a player who makes us tick. And obviously, if Bococcio's in the side... And we've had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. Everyone's saying, no, you're blaming, you know, McKechnie McEachran forever. We're not blaming McEachran at all. All we're saying to you is that if McCotcher is in the side, we really do tick. And if he's not in the side, we have to make a question mark as to whether or not we're going to have the same type of impact. So it's going to be a really important decision um, as to whether or not he's going to be in the side or not uh, um, tomorrow. But w- just coming back to a little point, because it's interesting to see what Ian said about John Egan. 
Um, Brentford fans and the Brentford t- and everyone was like very happy to see John Egan go. Not because we hated him, because he was cool for us. He was our captain. Um, but we found is that we thought that he was going to come in and, and solve our defensive problems. And when he came in, we found that our defensive we still had the same defensive problems as we had before, and we couldn't work out what it was. So in the end, when Sheffield United said we'll pay four million for him, literally, like you know, there's loads of people said we'll drive him up the motorway for you. <laughs> he, he's gone to Sheffield United. He's played in a different system to what we did. We said, you know, he'd probably suit their system better because of the style of play, the style of player that he is. Ironically, four months later, we've now gone to the same system as we have, where we've gone three at the back as well. And the question mark we have to ask is that, well, if we've gone three at the back, even though we love the players that we've got, but sh- should we maybe not have stuck with, you know, Egan, who looks like he possibly could be a Premier League um, defender next season? Yeah, that's a, it's a realistic thought, yeah. Um it's almost as if the the old head coach was uh, something to do with the, the formation. Head, who's the head coach? Uh, Dean Smith. Yeah, so Dean Smith, um, very very wedded to sort of four at the back. He's got his own style of play. Very much concedes the same sort of goals. Always getting beat on the break. Isolated defenders and never really cared enough to get to grips with the defensive side of the game. Was, do you think it was a case of not caring, I or was it a case of an ideology? <laughs> I, don't, no. I don't mind about my Sorry, defense. No, they probably, can do what they want. That's probably quite harsh. I'm being a bit flippant, but uh, yeah, I don't think he cared about football. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but, football. But equally, we have to, we have to keep players happy yes. as well. You know, they, they he's, he's a good player. He wants to play. He doesn't want to sit on 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 the bench at Brentford. No. They come to Brentford to play, to prove themselves, to get a move. That's that's a, the way he a lot. Play, Egan was playing though. Yeah, he but was. He was a captain. He was. Yeah, he, he was played. playing a lot. He wasn't only. He only didn't play when he was injured, but he was playing a lot. That was part of the issue because it's like even when he got injured and then he came back in and Bredford had a policy that if if the, the defense if the player who, pl- who takes your place plays really well, then um, then you sit on the bench. But mm. actually, but, but what I'm, well, what, I'm, what I mean is that they'd obviously highlighted they've obviously got you know they they set their eyes on Konza and Jeanvier that they, they they were players that they they had an opportunity to buy they probably made a decision that out of out of you know um Egan if there was a four million bid coming in for him Egan could probably buy the other two yeah, players for so. them and that that's the reality of the way we you know we we we're not in a position where we can keep everyone um, we we just that's not the way we roll. We're not an Aston Villa who will sit on a player for five years, and you know they're earning so much money they don't care whether they play or not. It, he would want, he would have been frustrated, and if his the sale of him to Sheffield United has enabled, um, you know, Jean Vier and uh, then Conza, then I think it's a it's a good sale. And they are great. I mean, they're great players as well. You know, different style of players to Egan. Egan, you know, we. In the air, he's you know, I mean, he's playing very, he's very well in the air, which is something that we still feel that we're a little bit weak at. So I suppose it's one of the situations that sometimes you try and have everything. And I suppose if you had more money and a bigger squad, you'd have you know, you'd have Egan in there as well as ever. Yeah, that would be the ideal situation. So to bring Egan in, if anything happened to Konza or sort of. uh... Oh, oh, I mean, Jean is injured now. Imagine if we could bring Egan off the bench, but that's that's completely. Yeah, and, and you know, and fair play to Sheffield United, they have seemingly got a, a squad that's equipped for a proper push at promotion yeah. this year. You, you look at their forward lineup. You know, we're 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 saying without um, me, um without more pay, we're we're you know we're on the buffers. It, it, they've got another three players to bring in who are equally you know um, you know effective at scoring goals. So they're they're in a good position. So I've got to ask a question because it's quite important because we saw when Sheffield United came down and they literally ripped us apart because they've got this free-flowing passing game and also the interesting thing is they know where everybody is like you know so when they when they're playing off each other they they they, they just know what's going on they're so organised and they work their socks off and as my Blairds mate said to me he said to me listen I said you, you guys are brilliant he goes it's brilliant when it works so if they run for each other it works but if it breaks down it just falls apart so. I'm just wondering how are we going to stop Sheffield United tomorrow? Oh gosh, I wish I, if I knew that answer, I'd be on the coaching staff with uh, Frank. <laughs> but I think what's really key, like if we go into a bit of tactics quickly, so we we just don't get outnumbered. So it's, uh, Sheffield United in central three, it could be Norwood, Fleck, and Duffy. These are these are it's like having three Sawyers, ballers who can control the ball, pass it around one twos. Somehow we need to make sure that Makocho and Sawyers don't get sort of two against three. So someone needs to work really hard to join in with those two, dropping do back. That? I think it's going to be Morpai. Morpai will be the one that sort of drops centrally. Ben Rama and uh, Ben Rama and Watkins probably from the sides a little bit more drifting in as well. But we just can't get outnumbered in that middle central area. That's that's really key. Whoever wins that battle probably should go on. But just going back to the the reverse tie where we uh, we saw five goals. I, I don't think it would be that open. Frank's 
Frank's a lot smarter. He'll keep this game tighter. He will try and match up in the middle, I think, and it will be it will be between one or two goals, I think. I think Canos is another important player tomorrow if he if he starts. You know, Canos has had defensive shifts this season. Mm. He seems to be uh, he seems to have used that as a springboard for the, for his season and his form. Um, and I think we'll be relying on him tracking back and and getting involved and putting some tackles in as well as as well as staying wide. Touching on Sheffield's wealth of riches, we've heard there from <laughs> Laney that they've got 53,000 strikers, whereas Brentford have one. If I could offer you all one opportunity, and it could be Egan, but you can have one player, irrespective of transfer fee, wages, anything, you can have one player from that Sheffield United squad come straight into the Brentford team or <laughs> squad, who are you going for? Uh, me personally, probably the goalkeeper at this point. I think we're a yeah, bit light we're, in we're goal, right. but I'd, I'd, pro- I'd have Hogan back. Would you? Yeah, on on his on if he was on form, you know, we 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 knew how to get the best out of Scotty Hogan, so uh, you know we could probably do that again. You know, Scott Hogan it was was quality for us, and more depth up front as well then for the club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was a he was a very different player to Morpay. Morpay is happy to come back and really really grapple for the ball. Hogan was always on the. He, he was waiting to get released. So, yeah, I'd have I'd have Hogan back maybe for maybe for the run in. A dangerous addition. Well, you need all the current players to be on top form this weekend if you're to get a result this weekend tomorrow against Sheffield United. With that in mind, we're coming to the point in the show where I have to press you for your score predictions. XG Dave, we'll start with you. Will the XG be correct? Uh, I think it will be. I, I said this at Borough as well. I'm going to go. I'm going to go two-one Brentford. Two-one Brentford. Yeah. Billy, what about you? I was going. I was going to go one-all, but I've looked at what Dave said. I've gone have to flip it over. I'm going to have to go two-one Brentford as well because it's going to be <laughs> make or break. That, that game's going to make or break our season. You know, if it if we don't win, then you know we could just chill out for the rest of the season. Yeah. I'm going to go with my heart rather than my head on this one. My head saying we're going to get beaten, but but I'm going to go three-two Brentford. Three-two Brentford disagreeing with <laughs> XG Dave, who was saying that we wouldn't see five goals. Well, only time will tell. You'll have to join us next week here on the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport to find out whether that away hudo really has been broken. Pride of West London, Pride of West London is the podcast live seven a.m. on Thursday morning. Check it out. There's loads of bits in there. There'll be Sheffield United, there'll be Borough, there'll be everyone. There's more dancing and celebrations and happiness. Safe journey up to Sheffield. <laughs> Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.